you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the League Podcast. Photobomb Sideline Interviews. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Chris Wessling, Greg Roosevelt, and Mark Sessler. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Good to have the band back together. Full group, full house. It's been a while until I get pulled away with some... Richie Incognito news. Isn't I think we fun? got through last time's show. We got this through all right. And by the way, just so everybody knows, before we started taping today, we had a deep, thoughtful conversation about the Incognito Martin situation, <laughs> none of which could be on this website in any form. Wes, how are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. Thank you. Wes, coming upstairs today, told me that his uh, homecoming theme song was November Rain by Guns mm. N' Roses. Which seems completely insane uh, because it was nine minutes long and written by a crazy person, Axl Rose. That would seem to be one of the weirdest long dances at, ever. At a That's not even the craziest part. Our prom song was by Metallica. What, what, oh, <laughs> what kind of school was this? It was an all-boys Catholic school. This was oh, so 1991, 92. Yeah, so it was... The weird thing was it was one. <laughs> that would be a really yeah. weird one uh, I think it might have been Enter Sandman oh Which doesn't make any sense for a prompt I guess better than like Nothing Else Matters Or something like that Yeah that would have It might have been that I don't know Our they homecoming all... theme was If you can't be with the one you oh, love God. Be with the one How you're with you? Well they, they harked back to a way old song ah. But it's like We already know that half the room Probably isn't with the guy or girl They want to be with and it's just like dropping a hammer on everyone's what, head. What are you talking about? Homecoming, like a high school homecoming? Yeah. D- did you grow you, up in this country? How do you remember that though? No, I. I guess. How do we remember it? These I are Clavin. Come on. <laughs> if you think that's old, one of my friend's older brothers, they had for their theme song for the prom, Bob Seger's "We Got Tonight," and they uh, wouldn't let him play it. That's really? how old that song is. That was mine. That what, was too got controversial. Tonight, right? Yeah, because it was yeah. like too, you know, the innuendo there. We've got tonight. Who cares about tomorrow? Was this after the book burning? I actually stuffed the ballot box for my senior class and got Eternal Flame by the Bangles on, ironically, when it was cool to do ironic 80s things in the the late 90s. The Bangles, huh? Yeah. The Cincinnati Bangles. It was after the witch dunking. 
I've never seen this podcast go off the track so quick. Um, yeah, there's a guy on Twitter that was telling Greg that he likes the show without any of the mirth. He's going to be very upset when he's listening. So, so sorry, he's buddy. the one. Sorry, buddy. All right, so let, let's talk about the NFL. Um, we'll start with uh, Thursday Night Football, the beginning of Week 10. We're in the double digits now, and um, Greg has a little hop in his step today because he he correctly predicted a hero pick on the Minnesota Vikings taking down the Redskins and possibly taking out the Redskins as an NFC playoff contender. Who knows? Greg, how did you get this one right? I felt worse about my pick after the game. Hold on. I would like to say it should not count as a hero pick if you are uh, accepting defeat at halftime. I'm emotional. You do that all the time. I'm emotional. <laughs> I, you know, I'm up, I'm down. There's no way the Vikings should have won this game. They're not as good a team. The Redskins were doing anything they want on offense. They didn't deserve to win, but the Redskins' defense, it, you can't underestimate how bad they are. They didn't make a single stop in the second half. The fact that they lost this game when they could do anything they wanted running the ball, RG3 played really well, and they still couldn't put away the Vikings and Ponder and Castle with a 13-point lead on the road in the middle of third quarter is crazy to me. Yeah, RG3's best game of the year, and I don't think by a small margin. Alfred Morris, possibly his best game of the year. Pierre Garçon's second best game of the year, and they lose. Well, also, but the defense, of course, laid down in the second half, but what happened to RG3 in the offense from the beginning of the third quarter till that last drive where they almost punched it in, they they completely disappeared. They were on p- pace for almost fifty points. Play calling half. was suspect. I don't know why they went they went away from the run in that section of the third quarter where the Vikings just kept blitzing them and overwhelming the offensive line. Kevin Williams had two and a half sacks. Everson Griffin had a good game. They kept getting all this pressure on RG3, and and the Redskins, for some reason, went away from the run during that period. It was only a couple drives. They scored to start the third quarter. It was, I think, three drives in a row where they they suddenly got stopped. But they only got stopped three drives the whole game. So when your offense does that well, you should win the game. So they're 3-6, and which they were last year. And is there any hope that they can, because they are singing on offense, but that defense is a train wreck. Is there any hope they can climb back into the NFC playoff picture? Well, that's what they're going to be asked all week. That will be like the whole narrative. You know, you, you've been in this spot before. RG3 will probably tweet something stupid. Will Shanahan end the season this time around like he did last he year? Might, uh, Shanahan might fork himself. Um, but I don't. there's no way they're going to reel off seven. This team isn't good. They stink. They, you know, is everything the tells me. the exact same trap you fell into last year at this time? Maybe, but the difference here is that, you know, this defense is – well, they were bad last year at 3-6 on defense, they were. too. RG3 was obviously moving veteran who was maybe a better player this time Washington year, might have the worst tackling defense in the entire yeah. league right now. The Vikings tackled even worse than the Redskins last night. Hey, nobody's tackling Adrian Peterson, though. I hope we're not judging it on their inability to tackle well, Peterson. It's not just no, this week. Else, yeah. I mean, when Greg Jennings is making you miss, it's a, it's a problem. He had like 15 yards on four catches. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Griffin III is going to get hurt, too, playing this way. I hate like sounding that alarm, but he has been hammered the last two weeks in a row. I don't know if that can Why don't you happen. be like Mark and predict injuries to players I'm and not. then take glory <laughs> Which from I've that. never done. I mean, this is a big you moment know? for the fork committee. Aaron they Rogers were three alert. and six last year. We forked them. They ripped off seven straight. And now it's like they're just they're just shoving it in our face. Hey, fork committee, did you learn anything? <laughs> Are we just going to say forget about it? Let's do it again. It's We're going to have a very interesting talk next week. All right, so that is the Thursday night game. We now move forward to all Sunday's games. And uh, wait a second. Oh. 
Oh, just defend your hero. Usually we do our <laughs> defend your hero segment, which is uh, when you know only one of us picks a team in a matchup and you defend why you chose that team, uh, usually in an upset scenario, but not always. Uh, usually we do it a little later, but as it turns out, a lot of the defend the heroes uh, that we have today are the biggest games of the week. And we will start with the biggest game of the week and with Greg Rosenthal. The Carolina Panthers, who are rolling four straight wins, four straight games over 30 points, blowing people out against bad teams. But now they go to San Francisco. They see, meet the Niners off a of bye week. The Niners have won five in a row. Uh, you know, unstoppable force, movable object situation. Greg, you took the Panthers. Why? Wow. Defend your hero. I thought this was our team, guys. I thought the Carolina <laughs> Panthers were the teams we were all excited about. It is, but after the uh, you slighted me and told me you were more worried about Mark coming back to beat you in picks than me, Ooh, so I have to start picking with my head instead of my heart. Ooh. Well, you know, I'm not, afraid, <laughs> I'm not afraid to go on a limb here, whether the lead or not. It paid off last night, and I just feel like th- this is an evenly matched game. Alden Smith's coming back. Mario Manahan's coming back. And things look good for the 49ers. But I think the Panthers are one of the five best teams in the NFL. And kind of like the Colts on Sunday night, it's a little bit of feeling like that. that They're due for that signature victory that gets everyone realizing it like us, how good this Panthers team is. And I think that's what happens on Sunday. I am surprised, Wes, because, you know, I Greg likes to... Surprised means disappointed. Well, it, it does, <laughs> because Greg is the guy that says that he's the driver of the Panthers bandwagon. But I feel that, Wes, you were the first even weeks no, before... I, I don't well, say that. Wes is. Well, Greg has credit. shown a proclivity to jump on my bandwagon. Ooh. Oh, and, then, right. and then take the credit for it. Hey, when you were off <laughs> at Roto World last year, who was watching the Panthers every week, picking them wrong every week, picking them to the playoffs? There's get, some heat get, here. <laughs> why, yeah, Wes, this. why didn't you jump on this opportunity to show that you really do believe in Carolina? I think these are two evenly matched teams. Greg said the Panthers are one of the top five teams in the NFL, which I agree. 49ers are too. And I went in an even game. I went with the home team. Like I said, I went with my head and not my heart. It's kind of a coin flip game. The 49ers coaching staff is better. They're playing at home. They're more experienced. They, they're more playoff tested in big games. I thought that gave them a little edge. And then I read Steve Smith this morning talking about he was just laying in the grass thinking about how great it is to be alive and be playing on the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> and he expects, uh, he expects this to be a chippy kind of game, which he goes, that's right up my alley. How similar are these two teams? I mean, they could not be more similar in terms of stopping the run, in terms of what they do on offense, just being tough. I can't believe this is a 405 game. This is the only, this is game of the week. It's the only 405 game this week. It's I move to uh, make a motion that we only cover one game at 4 o'clock. All of us just watch this game, <laughs> and the rest of them can write themselves. I like that. I'll idea. sign up for that. Why do you take the 49ers here? I'll tell you what. I really just went with the home team here. I, I really think the Carolina on the road it, it is... This is an interesting game. With some of these picks, you just go one way or the other without a whole lot of logic. I trust San Francisco at home. I love their coaching staff, but it's strange to me that I almost have to ask which coaching staff is more daring at this point. The 49ers <laughs> or Ron Bowl. Rivera? Oh my Riverbout Ron. Wow. come a long way. Um, Alright, so let's move forward. There, there are several... We have four hero picks to go through, and of course... Greg had one uh, last night, which he won. So let's move to the next one. Mark Sessler, you took the Chicago Bears with Jay Cutler in the lineup, which now it's starting to look even better, uh, if he's moving well, to beat the Detroit Lions. 
Tell me why. Defend your hero. Well, let me start by saying that I think that probably no one in the group has done a worse job picking Lions games than I have. I've gotten almost every one of them wrong. And so this is no great confidence uh, that I picked Chicago here. But I like what, listen, I thought that they took care of business against Green Bay. Their offense is more exciting than it's been in years and years. The combination of Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall is going to be tough for Detroit to stop. But I see this being a high-scoring game. Uh, which probably actually favors Detroit more. Chicago's defense is a train wreck, but I just went Chicago. Bears' defense has allowed 3,049 yards through eight games, the most since 1940. It's bad. Mm. They're so unbalanced. Their offense is a top-five offense right now that you can throw in Josh McCown, and you're still scoring a lot of points, and yet their defense is a bottom-five defense. And, they yeah, they got... They got run over on the ground this past week. They got run over by Brandon Jacobs, which is the ultimate indicator that something is amiss. you you got to figure that that would be my ultimate concern of taking them seriously, that and the fact that I feel like Jay Cutler might be coming back a little soon from this injury. And, you know, they, they reported at practice yesterday that, you know, he was moving gingerly. You know, McCown is playing so well. What, what's the need to get him back this week? I agree. And in a uh, moment of infidelity... I was listening to the Tony Kornheiser podcast oh, last damn. night <laughs> and heard Ron Jaworski, Korn, Kornheiser, ask him if the Bears are better off with McCown than Cutler, and Jaworski said yes, and then immediately says, and I base that on film watching. Maybe that's why Cutler is rushing hmm. back. Well, it will be interesting to see if Cutler comes in and drops an egg here that People are going to be clamoring for McCown and <laughs> Cutler crazy. here. Is, is, it is crazy. <laughs> Cutler's played well this year. He Let's has, but that that's not how this works, right? If the backup comes in and shines against your biggest rival, Cutler comes back in against what is probably your second biggest and drops an egg. There's going to be an issue. McCown, or, uh, Cutler's in the last year of his contract. This could get ugly. This is a he- bigger game for Chicago than it is for Detroit because if Detroit goes on the road and wins and sweeps Chicago for the season series and Aaron Rodgers is out, and I think the Lions just keep racking up these division wins. Suddenly, they're in really good shape. All right, moving on. You know, Wes, I've given I've given Patra's hero picks to you the last couple <laughs> weeks. You've you've struggled to find any logic, and I don't think Patra's gotten a win out of it uh, yet. <laughs> so this we'll try again this week. I'm going to throw you Kevin Patra, our Chicago correspondent's hero pick. He took the Eagles. Uh, with Red Hot Nick Foles to take down Seneca Wallace and the Green Bay Packers. That actually is not a bad one, is it? This is an easy pick to defend. Yeah, I'm surprised only one person took them. Greg mentioned this to me. I don't know if he said it under the podcast, but the Eagles' defense has been surprisingly frisky. They've allowed less than 20 points per game over the last five games. Fletcher Cox and Cedric Thornton are two of the best 3-4 ends in the NFL right now. They're playing really well on defense. They, they get Seneca Wallace. Who I think you know he's in his he's entering his mid thirties was unsigned in late August and then threw an egg on Monday night. Uh, this is not a good offense the, right now. By the way, in that game against the Vikings on Sunday night, the Packers had a third down completion percentage of seventy two point two, dropped to eleven point one against that Bears defense that we just ripped to shreds. Uh, yeah, and also the Eagles averaging close to 34 points a game on the road. So, you know, I don't think they're going to stop scoring points. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. How did this happen? 
<laughs> Did we forget that Aaron Rodgers was injured when we all made these picks? Well, because they have a ground game. It's so strange that they finally get that running attack that you've waited for almost Rodgers' entire career to have. And then the minute that it starts to get really, really dangerous, out goes Rodgers, and you're unbalanced again. They're now leading the NFL in yards per carry. Second, I think, only to the Eagles in total rushing yards. And their defense is fifth against the run. So they can they can run the ball and defend the run. That's usually a recipe for success. These picks show how much we've changed in our Chip Kelly love. If someone had told us that Chip Kelly and Nick Foles would have set the NFL record for touchdowns in a game <laughs> in Oakland, and then they would go and face Seneca Wallace the next week, and no one would pick him, that, that we've lost that much faith in that this Eagles offense could be pretty good week to week. But isn't that because uh, they've gone out and in other weeks done something completely opposite? Were they very inconsistent in terms right. of points? Consistency would be nice yeah. for this team. Well said. I, I trust Chip Kelly's offensive mind, but I don't trust Nick Foles to do this two, two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row. It, it's a DNA game. We just kind of trust the Packers' DNA with Mike McCarthy, and we just figure he'll figure out some way their defense is better. But they could be in first place in the NFC East if they win this game and, and uh, the Cowboys lose a game where they're big under. That's how bad that division is. And Yeah, and let's talk the real subplot of this game, which is uh, Mark Sessler and I, our fantasy team, Allison Bree, <laughs> has Aaron Rodgers. Tough injury. We went out and we were able to pick up both Nick Foles and Eli off the bench, and we need to decide. We need to come to a decision who starts on Sunday for our four-game streak. I think we go streak. Foles. Allison go Foles. Go yeah. Foles. All right. Well, then uh, that's I go it. Eli. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Let's Uh-oh. move on. My head hurts thinking about that. Eli against the defense that just gave up seven touchdowns to Nick Foles. Hmm. Fair. All right. Moving on. Last <laughs> hero pick. Uh Greg Rosenthal, you had three this week, which uh, really could uh, give you a lot. of. You're already out in front in our picks this season. This could give you possibly a lead that cannot be uh, overcome. Buffalo, you're taking the Bills on the road with E.J. Manuel back in the lineup to basically bury the Pittsburgh Steelers. Defend your hero. This was the toughest game for me to pick all week, but I had to go... With like Jaws says, from the from the game tape week to week, the Bills are a better team than the Steelers. I think the Bills would be a playoff team if they had some quarterback play. Going up against Dick LeBeau and with a rookie quarterback Manuel's back in, that does not give me a lot of confidence, but Kyle Williams is playing really well. Mario Williams is playing well. The secondary is different with Jairus Bird and Stefan Gilmore back there. Gilmore's been playing great. And I, I just think the Bills top to bottom are a much more consistent, better team this season. Little unlucky, they're three and six, but I just went with the better team. And LeBeau is seventeen and two against rookie quarterbacks. And well, I would say that Gilmore is playing pretty badly the past month since he's come back. He had that club on his hand, had didn't play. He got toasted quite a bit for the past few weeks. Um, and I think this is a circle the wagons game for the Steelers after giving up the most points in yards. In their history, and LeBeau took it very badly this week. I think he'll have that team ready to play. Wasn't last week in New England a circle the wagons game season on the line? Wasn't apparently not. Well, exactly. (laughs) I mean, they haven't been able to play their best when they absolutely need it, or they wouldn't be two and six. The loser of this gets forked too. This is a fork. In fact, I would argue the winner should probably get forked too. 
if it's Pittsburgh. Because <laughs> wow. I would have voted for them before. I mean, they're, they, well, the, I don't take them seriously the at this point. The four committee, which decides which teams have no chance of making the playoffs, uh, met actually at 3 a.m. this morning to discuss the Redskins after that loss. We decide to hold off and see how things go, go this week uh, leading into uh, week 11. 3 a.m. Was this a Coven? You were there. You were there. You were, you were a little groggy, but you were there. I fed you some donuts to uh, wake you up and some coffee. Uh, you were like I a little bear. Coffee. It was adorable. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, this is the fork off. Whatever team loses this game is probably finished, so we'll see what happens with that. All right, so, gentlemen, let's go to the rest of the games. And, Greg, I think uh, if Carolina-San Francisco is the game of the week, uh, this one maybe deserves to be uh, getting some love as one of the top four games of the week. Denver-San Diego, mm-hmm. AFC West showdown. Um, how do you see this game playing out? I thought you were going to go with Titans-Jaguars as the <laughs> potential game of the week. The Chargers have been a really good team at home. They beat the Colts, right? They should have won that first game, but they they beat the Colts convincingly. They beat the Cowboys convincingly. Their offense has shown that they can score points and move the ball on anyone. These are arguably the two best quarterbacks in the league if, in terms of how they played this year. If you throw out Aaron Rodgers, maybe, or Drew Brees, but certainly the two best in the AFC. So I think it could be a, a high-scoring, entertaining game. I give the Chargers a chance to make this a fun game to watch. I couldn't pull the trigger on them winning the game, but it, it would not shock me if this thing is 35-31, Peyton Manning gets the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to win the game. You know, Denver's given up 19 or more points in every game this season. That, I think, is a big opportunity for the Chargers. I almost went upset here because I see Denver as a team that can do whatever they want on offense, but that den- that defense is going to catch up to them a couple times this season. This looks like one of those opportunities. I can't take the Chargers seriously. They should be 6-2, and two, but they insist on handing the ball to Danny Woodhead at the goal line, 150 pounds, when you've got Ryan Matthews running between the tackles as hard as any running back in the league this year. They That's on their coaching staff. They should have two more victories. Don't you think they've used Woodhead? I know you're not a huge Woodhead guy. I struggle a bit. He's used him well this season. This yeah. He's been one of the biggest mismatches in the league. Linebackers can't cover him. He's great out of the backfield, but they're using him at the goal line. Earlier in the year, they were using Ronnie Brown at the goal line, and you've got Ryan Matthews. It doesn't make any sense. When the Chargers finish with eight or nine wins this year, they'll look back at that situation last week as the, the point their season was blown. That was embarrassing that was play calling. Um, all right, moving forward, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, who are almost impossible to figure out on a week-to-week basis, they head to New Orleans. This is a Rob Ryan revenge game. Rob was fired by Jerry Jones at the end of last season. Uh, Mark, how do you see this playing out? I think this works out really well for Rob Ryan, who, A, has kept his mouth shut this week, and you know his players went out and said, this guy's a changed guy. He could have used this week to spout off and create a lot of distraction not the case. And on top of it, you've got, instead of what the Cowboys offense when Ryan was there, he's got Drew Brees against a defense in Dallas that's giving up 300 passing yards or more a game and have allowed 500 yards three times this season. I think the Saints at home have an easy time. Has any team this year had an easy time against the Cowboys? They they specialize yep. in heartbreaking losses. None They've of been in every win, single game. They do. I don't you, think the yeah. Saints blow them out. This I, reminds me of the undefeated Saints when the Cowboys came in there and beat them. And the Saints' offense is not the same offense. It's good at home. It's not good on the road. But they can't pass protect. 
they have no one beyond Sproles and Graham. When Sproles came out of that game last week, it was kind of like when Reggie Bush got hurt for the Lions. They didn't. They weren't nearly the same. Drew Brees is playing unbelievable, and Jimmy Graham's an MVP candidate. But they're not the same offense that they used to be. Does and, it does it help Brian to know Dallas the way he does on offense? Can't hurt. Does it yeah. make that big of a difference, though? I think that gives them an edge. I don't know how big of a difference it is, but I think that's a factor. And and it also helps that they're not putting Bruce Carter on the field. Can we free Bruce Carter already? He's <laughs> flying around making great plays last week, and Ernie Sims is still out there. Give me a break. One thing I'd be worried about uh, from a Cowboys perspective is Des Bryant. You know, he has this back issue. He says he's fine. He's going to play. But he was carted off in a wheelchair at the end of the last season with a back issue. We don't know if this is a, a lo- potential long-term thing he's dealing with. Go back, Maybe nothing. I don't know. Go back and watch his 34-yard catch and run from the late in the fourth quarter last week on the final, final drive. He, he looked as explosive as any receiver in the league on that play. I don't think the back injury is that big of a deal. While you're at it, go back and watch Dallas completely abandon any concept of running the football. They're not a balanced football team right now. Everybody stop commanding everyone to watch things. <laughs> Wes actually or at least a please would be nice. Wes actually sent me that one and just said he couldn't believe Dez was only timed as a 4-5-3 because he looked like the fastest guy in yeah. the league in that play. He had a terrible game, by the was way. This like yeah, a late... Bryant was one of the reasons they lost last week. Is this I mean, like late the night text between you guys? That game. <laughs> so what? Late night it, emails and yeah. texts it's between Greg and Wes that Dan and I aren't a part of? We were working last night when I was doing the Humpty Dance and Cool Modi. That's all right. In the, in Can't the hallway. I missed that. Very yeah. upset about that. Um, all right, let's move forward. <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks, who, uh, you know, they, they keep rolling along, but they have not played very well the last two weeks, but they have two wins. They needed uh, overtime to beat the Bucks at home. Now they head uh, to Atlanta to face a Falcon team that seems to be in tank mode at this point. They're 2-6, and six, and the Panthers <laughs> just blew the doors off them last week. Wes, is there any way that Atlanta is competitive in this game? Yes. There is. I, you know, I've written off the Falcons this year, but we've said so many times that Seahawks are not the same team on the road. They should have lost to the Buccaneers at home. They should have lost to the Panthers on the road. They should have lost to the Texans on the road. This is not a team that's blowing every other team out. You know, the Falcons have gotten trounced on the ground five weeks in a row, and that does play into Seattle's strength, obviously. But in reverse, and now this, this is the problem. Seattle has gotten... Their own problems on defense, I think. They've gotten, you know, they've given up 400 yards rushing two games. But then you got Atlanta cannot it's, run yeah, the football. It's, it's good they get to play against Steven it, Jackson. This so week. it kind of cancels out what might be Seattle's weakness, I think. But Russell Wilson also has been hurried more than any quarterback in football. Again, Atlanta can't rush the passer. This is the ultimate weakness on weakness matchup. I think the Seahawks, especially if Max Unger is out of this game, which he's expected to miss it, they're not going to either attack. I think they have the worst offensive line pass protecting in the entire league. And the Atlanta Falcons might have the worst pass rush of any defense in the entire league. So this game basically just will not happen. (laughs) 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 Well, yeah, I think we all think the Seahawks are going to win. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, let's move on. Um, The Bengals in their first game without Geno Atkins, uh, they will now travel to Baltimore to face a Ravens team that is essentially in must-win territory at this point. Are the Ravens, Greg, I ask you, are the Ravens going to pull things together and make a run at this? I took, it's going to have to happen Sunday, right? I took the Ravens. I know some other people did. Who else took the Ravens? I, I may I have, well. too. I may have, too. I, I think you two guys did. I think I, I think, did. And Kevin and Wes did not. And this was a pick 
with the heart, not the head, that the Ravens have too much championship pedigree on their team and their more coach- wagon circling, right, on their coaching staff to not compete in the AFC North because if the Bengals win this game. There's no way Baltimore's competing. And Joe Flacco's coming off one of the, his worst games, I think, of the year. Missed a lot of throws that were there. Wasn't about the protection. Wasn't about the running game. He just missed throws. But I'm not convinced the Bengals are that good a team. I'm really not. I think they're more of a 9-7 and seven type of team. And I think Baltimore finds a way to get this win. I went with my heart because if the Ravens beat the Bengals... Then Cleveland plays Cincy next week, and if Cleveland ever won that, you got a big bad tie at the top of the AFC North. It's bad a big game. Will that happen? No. If I was a Ravens fan, I'd be scared to death that Ray Rice and Sissy's a hundred percent right now. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Both him, <laughs> both Ray Rice and Bernard Pierce are averaging two point seven yards per carry. How is this happening? Here's another weird thing about the Ravens. I, I've watched in the past three or four weeks, and my takeaway on offense. This is going to sound totally odd. They need to get Tandon Doss more involved. <laughs> <laughs> that is it's a sad state of affairs. He looks really good after the catch, way better than he's ever looked in his career. He's been excellent on punt returns, like one of the most punt return most impressive punt returners in the NFL. He looks good to me, he looks kinda like he plays like Golden Tate does. Put the ball in his hands. We've talked about the Ravens defense being some great unit. I think it's been good, not great. This is where they just have to step up and kind of win the game for them and just shut down Andy Dalton. And, yeah, I, I'm with you on Rice. I'd feel better if he was like, no, I'm actually 25%. Right. That's why I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm 11%. Thanks, <laughs> that explains things. And we can't let the offensive line off the hook. But Ray Rice, I don't think I've seen him miss a defender, make a defender miss in the open field all year. And my, my one point I have in this game also is I'm very interested. You brought up Dalton, Greg. I want to see how Andy Dalton plays. He had that three or four really great games. He came down to earth. Now, is he going to go back into a little three- or four-week funk, or is he going to pick it back up? And then on the Ravens' side, Joe Flacco, is he going – they are three and five. Their season is essentially hanging in the balance. He's got to start playing like the quarterback that they paid for. So we shall see. It's a huge game. I like this one. Who's covering this? You took this one? Wes got it. It's a good uh, one. We have a draft of which games we're going to cover. <laughs> it's the most exciting moment of the week. Well, last time we put the Bengals in our supposed game of the week territory, it was that Jets game. <laughs> and it was they won, but it was not exciting. Not for Jets fans, at least. Not for Dan. Sorry, Dan. Thanks, bro. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving forward, the St. Louis Rams. Kellen Clemens actually uh, played pretty well last week in a loss to the Titans. Uh, they now head to Indianapolis, uh, a Colts team that is rolling and coming off an emotional win on Monday night, or Sunday night, excuse me, against the Texans. Mark, the Rams, are they going to be competitive in this game? It's another one that could be a blowout. Uh, this is the kind of game where I think Indianapolis needs to take care of business. I picked them to win. You know, I look at their, their passing game seemed to struggle, uh, especially right away early in last game until they got T.Y. Hilton unhooked. He's had three games with 100 or more yards. Every other single game he's had, no more than 45 yards. I want to see just more consistent production with him. They're asking him to step in and fill the, fill the hole that Reggie well, Wayne is gone. I was I mean, going to say he almost have to wipe the slate of everything before Reggie Wayne and see how he performs now as the number one receiver. And he obviously stepped up in the second half on Sunday night. I think it's a tricky number one. I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on this. I don't know if he's a prototype number one wide receiver. He's a great compliment to someone like Wayne. So he's adjusting to that role. And again, how about Trent Richardson, actually? This is a good game for him to grind it out. Seems like he's not 100%. 
He hasn't practiced till what today? He did practice. On did he Friday, practice today? But he didn't the first two. I mean, to me, it might be a positive. Does it matter? Yeah, does it matter? Yeah. Right. Does it matter if Trent Richardson plays? But you know, think it's look how far glowing. we. No, no, no. Because look how far we've come. Because three or four weeks ago, it was this is the guy that they brought in to kind of center a Pep Hamilton type offense. This should be the guy that you center your offense around. Look at Mark. No, they look should center. Happy you are. They should no. center their offense around Andrew Luck. <laughs> Angry and we said that the whole time. Right, nah. but that's not how <laughs> Pep Hamilton. That's probably the problem. Which with is Pep why Hamilton. if you remove. Off the ground, <laughs> I He's have no, I, I root for Trent Richardson as a player. An ethereal Sessler. No, if you remove the temptation to go with a power running game and put the game in Andrew Luck's hands, you probably have a better offense. They score more. No points. arguments here. They're a better offense this year than they were a year ago. For all the talk about Pep Hamilton being too conservative, they're better this year. And your question on T.Y. Hilton, if he's a true number one receiver, to me, he's a Deshaun Jackson. They play almost exactly alike. Deshaun Jackson is not a true number one receiver. You can't go to him in a third and seven and ask him to box out a defender at the at the sticks. You can't ask T.Y. Hilton to do that either. Who do but they have to unique do that? Talents. Who do they have to do that? They though? don't have anyone. To that's do that. that's a, a big concern for the Colts because they're not complete in the passing game. Even right now. if even if they had Dwayne Allen, he could be that guy. But they don't have Dwayne Allen or Reggie Wayne. Nobody else in that team is a possession receiver. And one thing to look out, if you're looking for how does this game get competitive, the Colts offensive line has continued to struggle this year. Luck is on pace for almost 40 sacks again, and uh, he's had he's been hit. Uh, I think there's only been three other quarterbacks hit more than him, and the Rams have a good defensive line. So, you know, that is a way to, you know. And this isn't on Andrew here. Luck where it would be on Big Ben because they play similarly. similarly. Big Andrew Luck has some of the best pocket presence and pocket movement in the NFL and probably the best in the pocket that I've ever seen from a young quarterback. It's funny because when they lost that game to the Ravens in the playoffs, Greg and I were sitting in the office and we wrote a peel-off piece about this Colts team is not far away. The one thing they need to do is go out and get protection for Andrew Luck, and right now they have not done that. All right, moving on. The Oakland Raiders coming off a just a grisly 49-20 loss at home to uh, Nick Foles and the Eagles. Now travel to the Meadowlands to play a Giants team that was coming off a bye, uh, had won two games before that to get to 2-6. and six. Wes, I ask you, are the Giants going to continue to roll here and get back into this playoff race? I think they very well could. These are two teams kind of moving in opposite directions. The Giants have won two straight. Granted, against bad teams. The Raiders, Terrell Pryor hasn't played well for the past six quarters. Uh, he, he's kind of showing how flawed he is as a passer. His pocket movement has been, his instincts in the pocket, knowing when to run and when to pass, have come under question the past two games. Now they don't have McFadden. We have to see what they can do with Rashad Jennings. And then a defense that was falling down all over the field against Nick Foles. You know, they've lost seven straight on the road, Oakland has. And the Giants, who were uh, turnover robots for the first part of this season, <laughs> they had 23 turnovers in the first six games and just two in the last two. It's like, and that, that is about Eli Manning throwing less pick sixes and less interceptions, too. That's why Dan and I picked him up on our fantasy team. Ow! Can we get turnover robots? Can we buy those for Christmas presents? I was going to say, why would you produce, like, who would mass produce a turnover Giants robot? Giants fans <laughs> will tell you that they're overpriced. Turnover robots. <laughs> I, would, I would think that that would not be high in demand, but who knows? I don't know if Terrell Pryor is any different the last six quarters than he was the first handful of games. I mean, he'll, well, he's going to make four or five plays that are pretty good, and the defense needs to do their part and keep the score low. He makes about three drives every game. That, that's it. He, at no point have they been a consistent offense. That's fair. All right, moving on. The 
Jacksonville Jaguars still looking for that first win. They'll go to Tennessee now, uh, hoping that the Titans uh, trip up and give it to them. Greg, is Jacksonville <laughs> heading to week 11 without a win? I keep saying one of these weeks the Jaguars are going to be in a game in the fourth quarter, and it will be exciting when that happens. But until <laughs> then, Mark Sessler is stuck covering these games, and they're never exciting. No, I'm not. I refuse to cover a dome game. Yeah, that's why. Right. Let, it let the listeners know why you okay, get stuck yeah. covering. We each week we go around <laughs> in sort of a, a round table, and we we each cover about two games at the one o'clock hour if you're on the East Coast, and a couple in the, in the later afternoon. And it's a draft, and you pick your first choice. And obviously, the Jaguars game is always coming around the bend the second time. And I had a choice between this or Seattle, Atlanta, and I do not cover games that occur in a dome. Or Indianapolis. Mark refuses so to cover the Indianapolis games in a dome. Indianapolis opened do- its dome at times. I will cover that game. Domes have all the personality of a grade school hallway. Right. Thank you, Wes. So Wait, but why wouldn't you cover the game, though? What right. Is, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, I'm with Mark on this. It's, it's such it. a blasé feeling you, to be watching you don't a game understand in a dome. It. That's right. There's no energy. There's no excitement. Dudes are all weird. Right. All right. So when the, when the Saints <laughs> blocked that field goal with Steve Gleason or when they made the Super Bowl against Dead. Brett Farver... You know, that wasn't exciting in the NFC Championship because it was in a dome. It ruined all Not the Not to me it wasn't exciting. We were too busy playing Pictionary at a Super Bowl party. I've, I've been at the last two Super Bowls with Sessler, and when we were watching the ends of those two very good games, Sessler was just, like, looking down at his shoelaces. He was well, so that is not true. Listen, it, 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 it applies to like regular this. season. I'm not going to not watch a playoff game, but when I have a choice of doing an outdoor game, especially an outdoor cold-weather game, don't give me 72 degrees. Maybe it's it's an Ohio thing. We grew up in the Midwest. Like football's supposed to be outdoors, there you grinding go. it through the mud and the grass. Yeah. I feel like this whole discussion shows how far we've come as a podcast because we instinctively knew don't talk about the Titans Jaguars game. Let's get <laughs> to something more interesting. Yeah, it's true. Well, uh, wait, I just want to say about the Titans. They're formidable now that Chris Johnson is trying again. Do we know that's more than it's one an week effort level? Thing? You think? Yes, I do think it's an effort level. Interesting. They could be 5-4 and four here go, coming into Thursday Night Football. And week. they have playoff tiebreakers over the Jets and the Chargers. That's huge. And That's their true. record down the stretch compared to some of those other teams is not as formidable. All right, let's move on. The Houston Texans with interim coach Wade Phillips. Good luck with that. Uh, we'll now head to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Um, and Bruce Arians, the Cardinals are 4-4. Four and four. Mark Sessler, the Texans are on a six-game losing streak. They're going to win at some point, but will they win against the Cardinals? You know, I was telling Greg on the way up, this quietly is one of my games to watch this week because I would love if I could reform teams to put Case Keenum right now on the Cardinals. Ooh, I because like that. Because if you match that defense with what Keenum's, Keenum is slinging like the ball downfield. Jake Plummer. There you go. Because they're, they're four and four, and that that Cardinals team would be a playoff. Greg's team. out of his seat. Greg is out of his seat thinking I, about this one. I've I've, uh, I've never stood up for someone else's point, but I like that yeah, one so I much. Like it. But like the that. sad thing is, down about Case Keenum just well, a little on. bit. And then no, it's getting it, a little ridiculous. It's not going to happen. Case Keenum flag fly. <laughs> he he cut. Listen, Dent. He is throwing the ball. His pass is twenty plus yards through the air more than any other completed at this point. He's turned Andre Johnson's season back on. I like what they're doing on offense, but this is a great game because Arizona, their defense has been quietly outstanding the last month. Greg has a stat for you. Right. Football Outsiders has them as the number one defense in the entire league. And if you think about it, it makes a little more sense. The Cardinals offense, second to last in turnovers this year, so it put them in a lot of bad spots. Cardinals defense, second in turnovers, fourth, so they've made up for it. If you also think about the personnel they have on defense, they have 
Daryl Washington playing as well as any inside linebacker in the NFL. Calais Campbell playing almost as well as any defensive end in the NFL. Maybe J.J. Watt's better. They've got Darnell Dockett. They've got Tyron Matthew, however you say it. Matthew. Tyron Matthew. call him Honey Badger. That's what I do. (laughs) The Honey Badger moved into the starting lineup officially because they can't take that playmaking ability out of the lineup. Patrick Peterson, one of the top five cornerbacks in the game. This is a stout defense. It'd be like DeAndre Hopkins and and Andre Johnson versus basically this secondary. That's going to be fun to watch exactly. when the All-22 comes out. Arian Foster has been ruled out for this game. Yikes. There's a report out there he might even need surgery wow. on his back, so that could be a problem. I chose I would say the so. Houston Texans in this game because I don't know why. I still feel like they can get back in the mix. I know Wesseling did. Did anyone else take the Texans in a small upset? I don't remember who I picked, to be honest. Sorry about that. <laughs> did uh, you do your picks in a fog this week? Uh, Sessler and Kevin Patrick took the Cardinals. Uh, Dan was with us. On oh, the I guess I do like Case Keenum. Yeah, there you go. I, I consider no, it the last place. I don't even know who I picked. I consider it a vote, uh, lack of faith in any any faith in Carson Palmer. I agree with you on yeah, that. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to side with him. And I I predicted that before the season. I don't know why people got so excited about <laughs> Carson Palmer. I'll tell going you to why. Arizona. Because they saw John Skelton and Ryan Lindley last yeah, year. Yeah, but we it was sheer up. I understand Cardinals fans feeling that way. He was an upgrade, but he still has been the same guy for several years It has, years but now. even what he is is so much better than the situation they were in a year ago. They were about as low as you can get at the quarterback position. I they, don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but if they can win this game and prove us wrong, they'd be 5-4, and four, and they have the Jaguars next week. Suddenly you're 6-4, and four, and the Cardinals are you right in the You just assume the Jaguars it. are yes, going to lose. I you assume. said they could be competitive every week. I said one of these weeks they will be competitive, and that will come against another terrible team. Oh, okay. All right, our last game on Monday night appropriately is um, the two teams we don't really want to talk about. It's the Depression Bowl between the Miami Incognitos <laughs> and the Tampa Bay Chianos. So, uh, Wes, you know, uh, have some fun. Tell me a little bit about this. I have actually done a 180 on the Dolphins since our last podcast. It seems like this whole situation has galvanized that locker room as opposed to the opposite. Uh, How do I like, we know? We don't know. Just It's a sense I get from hearing Philbin talk, from hearing Hartline, Tannehill, and Claybo talk. I just sense that they're all kind of – they don't care what the media is doing to them right now. They don't care what anybody on the outside thinks. And frankly, it sounds like they didn't like Jonathan Martin as a person, so they don't care about that either. They just want to play. But they don't have him in the lineup. They don't have Incognito in the lineup. That presents they just lost two problems. crappy offensive linemen. <laughs> I mean, they fair. really that is they did not lose key players. Although I think, as Wes said at the last podcast, that means that whoever was behind them not winning starting jobs over those two exactly are not well, serviceable. The players behind them were probably getting hit with like soap inside of a pillowcase or something. So you know, you never know what was going on. Somebody muzzle Wes. You know what? I think Tyson Claybo is one of those linemen that yes. is stepping in. He has the best sounding offensive lineman name. It's a shame that he stinks. Doesn't Tyson Claybo sound like a great offensive lineman? It lineup? sounds like it could be a like a, a singer for a band that no longer operates as a band. He, he is he is number one on the list of thing of guys most likely to <laughs> longer Mark operates. Wins. I don't know. He sounds like someone that was famous a long time ago. It was Not like any the longer. turnover robots or something. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not impressed. Hashtag turnover robots. Yeah. Claybo seems to me like the guy on the team most likely to say something wildly insensitive and get suspended from the team next. Other than incognito. Well, he's gone. He's okay. gone. I feel like Claybo's the next the next guy to fall. And 
Uh, well, we'll see. That's something to get excited about for the NFL season. I took the Bucks to finally win this week, by the oh. way, as did Kevin Patra stealing my hero pick. Um, Interesting. But, you know, yeah, I don't think the Bucks are that terrible. And they almost just beat the Seahawks on the road. It's Dolphins, true. I don't – Wes seems to have inside info that they're all a strong collective <laughs> unit now. I have sources. I feel like they've, they've was, dealt with a lot of crap really this week. I'm really surprised by this angle for Wesseling. He's usually into the football of it all, not trying to read what it all means. It's a bit, he has hey, a, lot, it's a bit of a Sessler, you my, could say. My intuition is on a level of most women. Really? Yes. <laughs> oh really? Okay, oh. Rich. Do you feel like some type of unspoken bond between you and Wes that you don't feel with the rest of us? Wes, I don't think any man can comprehend the woman intuition. Just Damn. saying. I'd, I'd argue that's probably accurate. I don't intuit. Women's Sounds like a feelings. Tate Diggs romantic comedy plot, <laughs> starring uh, Tyson Clayba and Tate Diggs. I would think. Um, all right, so those are the games this week. That is week ten. We will be back. On Sunday to go over all the matchups uh, as we always do. Uh, we have some good stuff on the Around League blog. First of all, if you want our picks uh, from this week, just you know, dig through our archive and you will find our picks for this week. Google it. Google it. Do something. Just don't use our search application. Um, Greg, you had your QB index, which is always fun. I uh, I wrote my latest end around piece, which is up on the site right now. Mark, I really enjoyed your game rewind. Stevie Johnson, uh, Sean Smith, some heat there. I enjoyed that. <laughs> and uh, Wes, <laughs> I've not been very productive this week. And Wes, the running back rankings, which were outrageously thorough. <laughs> yes, that's a compliment. I've been told that I could probably do half the work on that. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. I felt I felt more knowledgeable. As a I want to rank there. our running back rankings now. Wesleyan's running back rankings versus Hansis's off season. Well, yeah, let's take a, now hold on. <laughs> let's take a look at it. Wes was given like about forty eight hours straight to work on it, and Greg was like, "Put this together," and it was like two hours in between seven posts that day. <laughs> I did mine. Right? In I don't two think hours. that's fair. Whatever. Just You're getting a look behind the look. I was hanging out with Zarina's Wednesday when I should have been doing my running back ranking, so I, would, I had to do it at the last minute. Zarina's are Russian women that hang out at Wes's pool complex. I found out now that uh, the jacuzzi is like the local hotspot in the evening. Mm. So all this time I've just been watching film in the evening. I could have been hanging out in the jacuzzi at my apartment complex with all kinds of European Do people ju- they just sit there drinking champagne and listening to like Steve Winwood mid-tempo ballads? Well, let's <laughs> remove Steve Winwood from any of this. They usually hang out and drink wine or beer, or, you yeah. know, and there'd be, you know, six, seven, ten, twelve people in that jacuzzi. You're Do you feel um, excluded or bullied? No, no. I, I'm like the mayor of the jacuzzi. Really? Self-appointed. Oh. You say European. Europe's a big place. What, what kind of We've got Russians. Eastern, the other night we had Western. Germans, uh, a British girl who had spent seven years in Australia. Uh, let's Crikey. see. Crikey. Two guys from Brazil. That's not Europe, but uh, Fair. there are quite a few way. Russians there. I don't know why. Yeah, a lot of yeah, Zarinas. Well, uh, that's, congrats, Wes. <laughs> that sounds like you found a little niche there. Uh, in your community. Yeah, right. I'm like the Switzerland of the group. I'm neutral, <laughs> like and everyone it. else just kind of goes around. Meanwhile, Wes's Mark, community. Mark is desperately trying to, like, you know, put his two children to bed as they <laughs> right. run around. I live vicariously through You're a man. You're invited to come to the jacuzzi whenever you want. I'll get there sometime. Yeah. All right. I don't even know if we're still on the air right now podcasting. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, yes, we'll be back Sunday. Until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, K. Rich behind the glass, and, of course, Lyle, the ATL intern. Till Sunday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.